Hey fam, welcome to the Free Trail Podcast and our special edition coverage of the 2023 Havelina 100, the golden ticket event organized by Aero Viper Running in Fountain Hills, Arizona. We are back with our post-race show here. Again, I am joined by my co-hosts for the weekend, Adam, Mary, and Abby Hall. And this morning, we were glad to welcome the men's champion, Jonathan Ray, who joined us poolside to talk through his incredible course record performance from last night. We talked about his breakout season, his preparation and mindset, doing the little things, and whether or not he views this as a watershed moment in his career. John sits with us for the first half of the show before taking off to enjoy a restful Sunday, well-deserved, after which Adam, Abby, and I recap some of the other performances and storylines from this awesome race weekend. A big thank you to Hoka for supporting the coverage uh, here at Havelina. Shout out to Hoka athletes John Ray and Heather Jackson for their double victories. If you missed it, make sure you go watch our training video with Heather Jackson, where we followed her last big workout before the race. So you can be a fly on the wall for this great champion's preparation. Havelina, what an awesome race. What an awesome weekend. Hope you guys enjoy the recap. Good morning, Havelina. Sunday, October 29th, Al. We are now, I guess, 12 hours removed or so from your heroic victory last night. I don't know if that's accurate whatsoever, but we'll use that as an estimate. Uh, I'm, of course, joined by my two great co-hosts for the weekend, Adam Maring and Abby Hall. Good morning to you two. Good morning. And we are joined by the champion, Jonathan Ray from Boulder, Colorado following up a second place performance from 2022, bringing home the W last night. John, how are you feeling this morning? I'm all right, slept okay. I basically woke up every one to two hours to eat a couple more slices of pizza. <laughs> so continuously just like on the train of like eating, like Wait, I was in the race still. And by the end, I've, I've, I've gotten two pizzas down from the race. Wow. Oh, that's that's now dude, to add to this story, I heard you're camping there, right? In the TED? We, yeah, we did the night before. We okay. we slept in bed. So oh, okay, okay. So I was going to say. We did camp before. Yeah. So you just had boxes of pizza on the bedside table and just occasionally would wake up and shovel? <laughs> that actually would have been a lot smarter. I had to walk all the way across the house with, to get to the fridge. Uh, so that was something like grinding. Oh, Nancy, you're Western States, bedside pizza. Okay. <laughs> Got it. It's just dawning on me that we are now a cabana filled with boulderites and former boulderites here. That's right. Oh, true. Mimi. That's a good little through line there. John, amazing, man. So you were ran just over 13 hours last year, 1505, 12.43 yesterday. I know through the first like three, four laps, we are like, yeah, it should be kind of close. Like he's like kind of on 13 hour pace. He should feel the challenge to cut his record. And then you just absolutely waste that fifth lap to bring on a new course record. Tell us like high level, how you feel about the day so far before we go into the, uh, the details. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. I had anchored my mind to 12.45 is what I thought I could do before the race. And the first two laps felt like, yeah, this is going to happen. I was questioning it a lot on laps three and four. And then, yeah, lap five came 
so much easier than I thought it would. And I was just able to switch gears and hang on to it. And that feels so good that so what are these I wasn't actually expecting to be able to. Did you guys watch John coming through transition? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I don't think I said this on the air last time, but dude, you are one of my favorite people to watch race because like every photo, it's just like straight faced. In the best way, like no, like not no emotion in a bad way. It's like, dude, you're freaking locked in. Yeah. And that's how you look coming through every incident, like perfect stride, so composed. And then on that fifth lap, I saw you going out. And it was like, he looks exactly the same as like lap two. Yeah, like truly like the pace you're going to, like, I mean, you just like fly through the, like the tent village. And like, I'm like, you know, deep down kind of one of the alleyways. And it's like, I just like catch a glimpse of you here and there. And uh yeah, you're just motoring. Dude, his third lap transition, no joke, 10 seconds. Okay. Wow. Insane. Put a pack on to the left. So talk about that a little bit, John. Like, are you sort of like the locked-in analytical guy? Because you've never been on the show, so we don't know each other super well. And of course, I always ask people, what makes you, you? So maybe answer that question. Are you like, tell us about like how your personality maps to performance and whether or not Adam's touching on something there in terms of you being really locked in, analytical, focused on your performance. Yeah, I'm analytical. I have an engineering background, but I don't apply that many numbers in thinking to running. I try to be pretty intuitive and go based on feel with numbers in the background, I suppose. Um, but definitely just from like hard work in engineering and work world, and understand that like just forgetting about time forgetting about everything else and just like being really focused on something for a while is like what makes the most progress on solving a problem yeah uh and like you know if i get distracted by side things and have to like break up my a workflow state too then similarly running i just like want to stay in that state and so i can fast a photographer and like smile at them and wave and I do that sometimes, I think. Definitely at CCC, that was like, I carried so much energy from like smiling and getting awesome responses from my fans and things. But most races, I just like want to want to stay in the same state. Amazing. So focusing, it seems like, you know, this season for you has been a huge breakthrough. Is there a change in focus? I mean, last night we were talking with your wife, Rachel, who mentioned that you gotten connected with a sports psychologist. In our preview show, Adam was mentioning that he feels sort of a kindred spirit to you and that you're both sort of, you know, people with real jobs on the side while competing professionally as athletes. What's changed for you this year? I mean, especially in the second half of the season and following up the fourth place at CCC, huge course record victory here today. Is it just the focus and the new sort of psychological framework with your uh, sports psychologist coach that you're working with? Yeah, kudos to Adam for both working and fatherhood. <laughs> um, and now I lost train of thought. <laughs> Just like on the on the theme of like focus, right? And the sports psychology thing that your wife mentioned last night is that something that you feel like has contributed to at least the last two amazing performances? Yeah, and also something I'm carrying from Western states this year, where. I was trying so hard to avoid major problems that I was like, it's okay to like spend a couple extra minutes here. Like, let's be careful on the snow and not make a major mistake. Like, let's do like the major things right. And if you lose a few minutes here, a few minutes there, like that's fine. But like 
that didn't work for me. It didn't put me in a competitive mindset. And like growing up, it was always like the little things indicate your intentions and what you're trying to do with the big things. And so paying attention to like pretending that every little second matters. It matters whether I step around this rock or jump over it. It matters if I feel like like fill my bottle with scratch powder as I'm running into the aid station or while I'm in it. And that saves me a couple seconds. So if I just tell myself that every moment matters, it puts me in such a different mode of competition than if I'm just like, you know, I know, I know in reality that no, those two seconds don't matter. But from a mindset perspective, telling yourself that every moment matters helps. And so it also just like, keeps me in that focus state that I was able to it. I guess overcome <laughs> not having been focused as much at Western States and then doing it for both at CCC and here. Better. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. I have to go that. Yeah. Talk about that, Abby, because it seems like that's a philosophy that you adopt too, especially in your recovery from this serious injury, really focusing on the little things. 100%. Like, I'm a big believer that, you know, so much of what makes us in this sport happen, I mean, in this sport and out of the sport, like, happens when no one's watching you know um and so it happens in those little moments of balancing work and training it happens on those you know early mornings or late nights so long runs and um and it happens when you're filling your bottle with powder and getting it all over your hands and efficiently cleaning them off and like whatever insert random little thing here that's part of race day is i think it, it all is adding up to something and um yeah it's like it's very clear that you 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 brought intention to everything you were doing out there. So I think that's really cool to hear. Yeah, it's like when my my dad was coaching my little league or my soccer or basketball teams growing up and his number one thing was like hustle to your position. Mm -hmm. Like clearly that's not time that matters for the outcome of the game, but it still demonstrates that you're you're there. Yeah. You're present and charge out of the yeah. dugout into left field, but something like that. Yeah. So I know you're like also, you know, like you've got this like analytical kind of engineer's mind, but then also like, you know, clearly the the emotion of getting back to Western States is one that that rains heavy for you. Like talk to like speak to like how you're feeling emotionally. Like what does this mean to you to be to be going back? I grew up in California. It feels like where are you from? Yeah. Palo Alto. Oh, oh dude. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so so Western States. Like I, I started running in Colorado, far away from home. I have five siblings and they're all still living in the Bay Area. And like, I'm just like the one living outside of the state doing my own thing. They're like, I don't know, like John runs these like really weird long races. He did like doing his thing, but they didn't know where it could lead or like the professional side of the sport that now I have gotten to. And like for the first like four or five years, I was just like running long distances with no real reason. Right. Um, but it's changed a little bit. And so, but they had never seen it in Western States in 2021, 2022, sorry. Uh, was the first trail race I'd ever been to, the first time they'd seen me mm. run in a race. Like played, they saw me say play like thousands of basketball and baseball games and things growing up, but never a running race. And so that was really meaningful that it became a big family event and a reunion. And like, 
my nephew left the Airbnb after the weekend of Western States the first year being like, wow, like, can we stay here again next year? It's like this little farm, a little creek, and there's like blood playing it. Like, can we do this family reunion again next year? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, like huge motivation to uh, like get family back together. And Book the energy. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> We were just talking that this is John's third golden ticket. What's he going to do with all of them, you know? Yeah, so he's got two hanging on his wall at home. I hope he got space for number three. Those things take up a lot of room. There were a lot of real estate on the walls. So going into your performance, I was going back and looking at the splits on the tracker. And I was just specifically looking at Jackass to headquarters. So that sort of, I think, eight and a half-ish mile, mostly downhill section. Is that about right in terms of distance? Yeah. yeah. Eight and a half, nine. Yeah. Eight and a half, nine miles. It was the, the, the signs say at least 5.2, then 3.7. Okay. So about nine miles. And the first lap is a bit longer. He ran 121. So that lap, that's more like, what, 10 and a half, 11 miles. So, yeah, then there was no accurate split for the second lot. So let's just focus on the last three splits from Jack Rouse to headquarters here. John ran 105 on the third lap, 110 on the fourth lap, and then 59.40 on the fifth lap. Well, in other words, his fifth lap split from Jackass to the finish was his fastest one. Execution, bro. So go into that. I mean, like, obviously, you were running as the man possessed. He knew you had, you know, it was your race to lose at that point. But we were talking last night about how you were getting updates from Rachel about how Ryan was catching up to you and that you drew on an experience you had with Dakota Jones in last year's race. So... Just talk about that that execution and sealing the deal when you had the opportunity. Yeah, I was told by Rachel going into the last lap that he was seven minutes behind, but making up time. And I was struggling on lap four, like not feeling good. And I think that split was actually especially slow because I was having some gut distress. Like I was like, you know, like squeezing my stomach and like burping a bit to try to get that out and like had to take a little bit of time doing that. Like I never stopped, but was definitely just like, oh man, like I just need to finish right now. I'm not, I need to like back off and get out of race mode for a minute. Um, but yeah, like hearing that, reminding myself that this was, this was still a race. Like I'm not actually just out there to finish. Like I do have another level of effort and it's worth it to, give everything I have um, was just like a good cue that I got from Rachel. I needed to have that at that time. Um, and it would have, I didn't think it was really possible to match what Dakota had done last year to me. Uh, Take us into that experience too, just to set the context. Cause you sort of snuck up on Dakota last year. Yeah, that was interesting. I didn't see him for, so yeah. I think he was in first place and I was in second at the end of lap two even maybe, but I didn't see him at all in lap three. And then on lap four, I also just didn't see him until like he came into view at the very end of the lap. And then like all of a sudden he like stopped and went out to the side of the trail to like feed behind a tree. And I passed him and I was like, I don't know if he's even gonna see me. Like, it's gonna be like an interesting. Oh. When he comes out from behind, he's like, hey, wait, like, who are you? How the um but anyway, I passed him like a half mile before we got back to headquarters. And I didn't know, I was like, 
what do I do with this? Like, I didn't, I was like approaching that situation being like, uh, I think I'm about to pass him in the first place. Like he's coming back to me. I'm gonna be stopped. So now I'm definitely gonna pass him. Like, am I supposed to do something with this? Like, is there a strategy behind this? Like someone tell me, like teach me what to do in this kind of race situation. Am I supposed to like make a move? Am I supposed to slow down? Should I not pass him? Should I pass him faster? Like I, I was lost. Yeah. Um, but Dakota knew the heck it, he was doing. <laughs> and like, he just like coasted right behind me through headquarters and then left. And he said, hey, see you out there. I was like, okay, cool. That's nice of him. Like, it's like he's down to run together. And then, like, I just didn't see him again. Because <laughs> he just he just ran so hard right from the beginning of that lap. And I was scared to do that because there's still 20 miles a lot. I still needed to, like, pace it and regulate myself. But he was able to get himself to just pick it up earlier. And I think, yeah, you can just always kick a little earlier, probably. Yeah. Um, like, how often are you actually totally spent the finish line? So backing up a step, Matt Daniels came into the second lap ahead of you in the lead, and then you left in the lead. Did it feel to you at that point that the race was under your control? Did you ever feel like, you know, under duress at all? Aside from that moment where you heard that Ryan was sneaking up from behind? I didn't have any information about people behind me until, like, between, for the entirety of laps three and four. Mm-hmm. Um I can't like when I finished lap two for Rachel and uh other crew said that he was throwing up like Matt Matt was throwing up in front of me. I was like, oh dang, that's too bad. That was because you guys trained together. Um, yeah, we did. Just came in loop one together too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that felt really good to run together. Um then loop one. He he like showed me around you like in Chamonix before CCC and that meant a lot to me to like have someone who knew what the heck they were doing and like honestly when I got there like running out on the trails by myself I would have felt like so exposed and so lost and he was just like there to be like hey yeah let's just go like do this run and I'll show you around and I'll be there with you and like that was just so comforting and so like I wanted to make sure we did a little bit of training before happily and too that like he was going to be a friend out there and so um yeah him doing that for me meant a ton and so i wanted to definitely make sure i was going to do but i could to help him have a good race yesterday too so like when i've seen you race before i feel like my perception has been that like you're a closer and like you you are like one who's like picking people off at the end and maybe i'm correct me if i'm wrong but then like if you know yesterday you were front running for for three laps so like how is that kind of shift in experience to go from maybe being someone that's used to chasing people down in a field and like, you know, landing on the podium or sneaking up behind people and, you know, being in that position where you don't have that intel on what's happening in the rest of the race quite so much. Remember last year off the start line, like Pat Reagan was in the race. He's won the race three times. Everyone just fell in line right behind him. Sort of like as a sign of respect to like, this guy knows what he's doing. If I'm like going out in front of him or it's probably not the right thing to do. I like, what's going to take cues from him? And then this year, I felt like people did that to me. Um, like, people fell in line right behind me from the very beginning. So, like, even, like, after the first quarter mile, the first steps on single track, I was in the lead. And I was like, well, that feels really good as, like, a sign of respect almost from the other runners. And 
it felt natural. Like I did have that confidence. I feel like I think since signing with Hoka this year and having a good race at CCC just gave me a confidence to be like, no, I'll do well. I can do that. Like that, I'm not scared by the prospect of that. It felt somewhat natural. That's really interesting about like, you know, the those sort of like intangible signals of respect within the field about like who takes the lead and who follows and, you know, yeah, sort of cultivating that belief of where you belong in that necking order over time. Or at least it's what I told myself. Yeah. I give myself a confidence. I don't know if that was reality, but if, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think this is like a symbolic moment for you, you know, fourth at CCC on a huge stage. Just behind Dakota again there, who's a legend, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, a guy who's been in the game forever. Now breaking his course record here, getting back to Western States where you have your third opportunity. Does this feel like kind of transition moment in your career? Because one of the things you said earlier, and I was going back and looking at your historical results, is it wasn't obvious that you were going to be a superstar for, you know, the first three years you're in the sport, right? And now you're like very much, you know, on in that sort of upper echelon, on that top category. Does it feel that way to you that this is sort of a transition moment? Yeah, I love that in my Chasing Gold interview with Jamil before Avelina, he said John's first ultra was in 2015 at the Dirty 30. He was 23rd place in a time of 527 or something. And I was like, yeah, I was really proud of people. <laughs> 23rd place in this like local race. <laughs> Uh, like I was stoked by it. Like I thought six hours was going to be fast, and I ran like five thirty. Yeah. Um, and I share that dirty thirty experience. By the way, that was my first ultra as well. I'm I'm so sad that it, uh, it's in the first year that it they, really? yeah they didn't get their permits, and so they're this canceled. We're not there anymore. But dude, I, I did the first edition of the dirty thirty back in the day. It's a great race, but dude, I have to say, man, like I'm glad you brought this up, this theme, because like, dude, we used to both live in Golden. Right, and so yeah. I've seen John shit on Strava, like his CR is up Green Mountain, and this it's like he's been out here for a long time, you know, right, racking up great race results, and so I feel like it is always that thing of like a breakout year is like fueled by and like built upon. I don't know, I've known you could do stuff like this for a long time, so it's super cool to see. But do you feel like something changed for you, like in the last year or two, or has it just been like a natural progression? It's mostly been just a couple percent improvement every year, but I do think it was like a step change when I got my first golden ticket at Bandera. I was like, oh, like I can do that. Like I didn't, like I, I wanted to do well at Western States sometime in my life. Like that was a goal, but I didn't think that it was going to come that quickly and that like I just can't go get any NBA a little bit of ticket rather than through lottery. It's like, oh, okay, like I can be competitive. And then another step change when signing with Hoka is like, okay, I'm a professional. Like that label gives me confidence. Like putting on a jersey, like gives yeah. me confidence. And so both of those step changes, I think, re-boosted my motivation and abilities. So going back to what you are talking about earlier, you know, and doing the little things, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Your coach, Adam St. Pierre, was in the chat last night as you were crossing the finish line breaking the tape and he was he added some anecdotes about like what you've been doing in between ccc and Halina, like the sauna work the strength work your wife rachel mentioned the sports psychology stuff i'd love to hear you just like go through a couple of those things and just talk about how those have impacted 
you know, your on-trail performance, because obviously I think a lot of people would love to learn from you on that front. Yeah, the sauna work feels routine now, actually, after having done it a couple of times for Western States and Havelina cycles, but it definitely is a big time suck to just like have that tag on another like three hours of doing stuff for a week. Just like sitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it's been a while since I've done strength work, but yeah, Adam, my coach was going to... Except for that clean and jerky the minute side last night. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was going to have me start doing some of that. Like, I did a lot during, like, college baseball, but um, I haven't done it much since running. And so it's like, yeah, like, we could probably grow and get better that way. Mm. And then, like, I've also been doing, like, 200-meter refeeds on the track because, like, my track times are so slow and uh, that I just, like, don't even know how to pick up my legs high enough or, like, to, to run actual fast. Um, I feel like... I've just like learned how to run with better form because of doing some of those things. Is that, that something like, that's happened or prescribed? Like, yeah, two hundred meters. Just to work on kind of your form and economy. Yeah, yeah. I think wow. basically with the goal of improving running economy, that it wasn't like trying to increase VO two max or short intervals, but basically like yeah, form running economy. Um, Interesting. And yeah, it, it worked. Uh, I like yeah. Adam's always I've like totally outsourced all of my physical training to like i'm not to think about that i'm just gonna do whatever he says good yeah. with the goals of like getting better in the long term and you know being ready for specific races too but he's like pretty good at you know building on previous things working on some strengths and weaknesses and keeping things somewhat routine but then every once in a while it's like throwing in some new stuff and i definitely have always responded to the new stuff but like whoa like that's a like curveball huh Okay, I guess I'll try that. And then it's always been like, whoa, like I responded really well to them. So he's got a pretty fun of different things. He's got a nice stable of athletes now, right? Adam St. Pierre is not like a name you hear a lot in sort of the coaching circles, but you, Hillary, there's somebody else in what I heard recently is getting coached by Adam St. Pierre. When when I joined, he had Corinne and then Gab Bradley too, but uh, yeah. So he's on the radar, but he was he, like he was in the Coop camp. I met him at I met him at a Jason Coop training about this the first time that I met him. So that's when I reached out to some fishing. One thing I'd love to toss up to the panel here is just like versatility, right? Finishing fourth at CCC and a big route race and winning here in a fast hundred miler, very different horses, very different races, different distances. You know how do you prepare for that psychologically, physically, and you know develop the capability to compete across that range of, you know, courses and topographies? To an extent, it's all running out of that. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of it translates. I felt like the flatter parts of CCC felt really good and easier. And, like, I tried to do a bunch of mountain stuff for, like, between Western States and CCC, but it was still like last second. Like I was barely starting to feel more comfortable on steeper terrain right before CCC. Like, you know, two weeks before, it was like, well, man, before that, every run uphill was like, this is hard. This is steep. This pack is heavy. I'm not going to be ready. So I knew that like it was going to be easy to transfer back to Havelina because the flatter stuff was coming easier. But I feel like yeah, next year I probably need to do way more for in advance of Western states to make those parts of course feel good. Um, Anything you guys want to add on that? Well, I don't know. I just want to say like, I feel like for me, right, like watching John's growth as an athlete, like 
dude, you are an exceptional athlete. To me, like I feel like I reconsider some of the way that I train or the way I approach races because of watching things that you're doing in training. I'm like, what the heck is he doing? Like repeats up and down lick skillet? That is like crazy. Or like seven <laughs> loops at Walker Ranch. Like what? But then you lay off, off these results and it's like, damn, maybe he's onto something. And so it's the same as like Jim back in the day, doing these crazy blocks. It's, I don't know. It's really cool to see. Yeah. Well, uh, like Jim was messing them themselves probably. And I, I you and that, that was, that was a very repeat ball. thing, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Oh What's the lick skillet repeat? <laughs> I don't just put it like, I don't know. Lick skillet road is the, the steepest, I believe it's the steepest county. It's not Alburn County. Or Yelder. Yeah. 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 How be a tire made it famous for running a, a sub four minute mile before the four minute barrier in Colorado had been broken. So you ran like a 340 something running down seven, this is a, 700. This is a road that is like driving up in a car is like, I'm not maybe not going to make it up dirt road. It's so steep. Yeah, and back when Joe Grant lived there, we used to do an uphill beer mile there. Yeah, it was always a good time. So it's on the way to Gold Hill. Yeah, yeah, it finishes. Yeah, tell about the workout though, dude. But yeah, just like saw on my calendar. Yeah, do twenty miles to go up and down like Skillet Road ten times, like twenty miles, seven thousand feet of vert. It's like going up and down a dirt road, like. You really want me to do that? I'm gonna pretty boring, and like that's gonna be so steep, and that's gonna be terrible. But actually, like. It gave me a lot of confidence that I could actually still run up uh, that steep of a grade, deep in a run when I was tired. No. And down. Yeah. Well, and then so those downhill splits. Well, you had me do it. Jay had me do it twice. And the second time he threw it a couple of hard uphill efforts and, and like a hard downhill effort. And I was like, <laughs> was that bad? CCC or pre Western States? Western. Interesting. I think it's something really applicable for both, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, so interesting. Well, we should probably start wrapping up. I'm sure you got other stuff to do today. Um, you know, we already talked about last night about, you know, looking ahead towards Western States. Is there anything else like goals in the short, medium term, maybe between now and then, or things that you're thinking about that you're motivated to do in your career? Well, the result and take a race that I haven't done this Black Canyon that I've wanted to do for the longest. Maybe I'll still save it for another year, or maybe I'll consider it going out there because that's just like such an appealing grade mm. with but, no pressure yeah with zero pressure and there's three tickets on the line there also too, so. might be helpful pressure yeah like that's rest that seems cool um but i don't yeah no other plans i mean that plan are you like in off-season mode now you gonna take some time or yeah i think I'll, i come i'm gonna get back into doing I feel like the more strength training and this in the sprint intervals like this is kind of like an interruption of that sequence or the rest of the calendar year um but the yeah team indeed I, I know we're wrapping up but do we know other people who've done three tickets eric sensman oh. yeah black Canyon master yeah yep and just remember because we finished that yeah <laughs> no, i'm not, I'm not. It's, i would have preferred to get top dead third time's a charm man and as i said to you yesterday a certain flag staff resident took three tries to get a ride at western states he's got three cougars down so anyway dude congratulations incredible run yesterday incredible season so well deserved and yeah thanks for making the time to come hang out with us this morning hope you guys have a safe travel back and a really restful off season yeah, thanks so much. Sweet. Congrats, dude. Yeah, congrats. All right, John, you can be excused. Rachel, thanks for 
allowing him to come back. He's got a nice cold smoothie waiting for him inside. Well, Adam, Abby, and I are going to talk a little bit more about the race, how everything played out throughout the rest of the top ten and stuff. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Thank you. Dude, See you. Congrats, man. Huge congrats. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Bye. Bye, Rachel. Bye, John. Good to meet you guys. Yeah. All right. So, first of all, that was awesome. What a so, guy. What a guy. What a guy. Huge, huge future ahead. And um, yeah, I think like we just were talking to about kind of like a symbolic turning point moment, I think, in this career. So. Blue collar boulder guy. Man. Yeah. Pissing yeah, Oregon. Um, so not to brag, but we made our predictions on Friday. I was right. We were wrong. Guys were wrong. No, no. But to brag, though, eleventh <laughs> in the rankings, dude. Oh, right whoa. here, back oh, up. Me and wow. Leah. Can you use that? He's sixth. Ryan. Oh, that's no. Okay. All right, all right. <laughs> I, I was stoked on my eleventh. You know, I was one hundred and forty-third. I did. I did pick a John. I never had a bet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, shout out to Pat Bardos, Carson, 116, and Steve Josepher, who finished one first through third. So we got Hoka prize packages for all of those great fantasy participants. Yeah, then, yeah, Ryan was sixth, Leah was tenth, Adam was a level. So, I'll just have them. Great competitions. <laughs> so, before we go into some of the other storylines, just maybe high level, tell us about your guys' day. Maybe we can start with you. I know you're out there trying to help out your buddy, Matt Daniel. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a tough, tough race for Matt, but it was great being out there, man. We had uh, my son and my wife were out there, and so it was super cute seeing Arthur get to experience his first desert race, but and it was cool, like just, I don't know, we were um, pretty near the turnaround point for that horseshoe, you know, at the start finish. Cool. And uh, just seeing all the different runners go by, all the other folks out there in their tents um, vibing out was really cool. So I, I don't know, I definitely want to come do Javelina sometime now. Yeah. Perfect from a crew standpoint, you just get to hang out all day. Yeah. It's so uncommon. 100%. I mean, and like the, just the entire kind of like culture of that start finish area is I was really feeling it this year like I think it was even leveled up from last year just in terms of atmosphere like volume of people but just like it was just turned up to 11 it was pretty exciting um I was out there crewing uh for four friends a couple from Boulder and a couple that I met uh yesterday so it was a really fun um yeah just like a fun experience out there getting them all out all four finished under 24 hours super exciting um and then yeah I mean I I was thinking about it like our I think Dylan you mentioned how it kind of has like Burning Man vibes Mm -hmm. and I was thinking I don't know much about Burning Man but it's like isn't the whole thing like it's supposed to be this like trade economy kind of like you come with a skill or something and you so it was pretty cool like I was thinking about like what my job would be like on the on the playa you know or like what my offering would be <laughs> like to Havelina. and yesterday I think my job was talking talking one of our our later finishers about like not DNFing and yeah. I was like I could be like someone you that you like like call her call her up and she'll come like talk you out of it and like get people back on the course that would be like my dream like 
Havelina Playa job, I think. Dude, that role is so important. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It really and my, is. Shout out to my parents who were, they just like wanted to come help out and they went out on the road and they were just driving people back and forth to their cars. So they would just like pick up people along the road. <laughs> hey, you want to ride? It's pretty great. That is so, yeah. so cool. And then my last shout out I have to give is to uh, my friend Eli Zabielski who finished the AZT three days ago and then just finished the Havelina 100 no last night. No way. Yeah, so super next level stuff. That is unbelievable. How long did the AZT take? I believe 25 days. He was averaging like 32 miles a day, cranked it out, had like a a rest day and a half and then picked up that bib and (laughs) went out there for for some laps around uh, around Havelina. That is so, so serious. Wow. All right. So Talking about sort of some of the storylines, I think one thing that really stands out is attrition. Mm. You guys both saw, I'm sure, some of the attrition there at headquarters throughout the course of the day. The men's top 10 separated by three hours, first to third. The women, five hours from first to 10th. Gosh. So big, big time attrition, notable drops, Matt Daniels, Ryan Miller, Hal Kerner, Preston Cates, Brett Hornig. Shay Aquilano, Stephanie Flippin, Tara Dower. Mm. It was a tough one out there. Heroes falling. Yeah. Dude, I mean, (laughs) I'll just have to say, everyone I'm sure has different reasons. You know, maybe they were sick coming into the race, maybe had a tough mental day, like burnt out. That was Matt's case. Uh, But dude, like, I have to say, it felt hot in the sun. Yeah. Just standing there crewing. I was like, man. This is hot, you know, and so. And you know, if we're feeling that as as bystanders, that like usually it's the opposite, right? Perfect running weather. Your runner comes in in a singlet, and you're there in like a down coat, yeah. shivering. Like, yeah, yeah it's it was must have been really hot for runners yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So. And also, I was just kind of like thinking about, because sometimes you have races that the conditions are really tough, and for some reason, everybody finishes. Like, mm. yeah. for example, the 2021 Western States, yep. that historically hot year where the women's top 10 was, for some reason, the yeah. fastest top 10 yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then the men's race completely yeah. exploded. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, man, yeah, it was a hot race, but also kind of like the end of the season. It's golden ticket mm. race. So like if your race starts to spiral, you lose sight of that golden ticket goal, you know, maybe it's a little bit more tempting to pack it in, but yeah, just a lot of attrition. We still saw course record performances in the hundred K with Raj Panu and Anna Cautious. And then of course, John Ray with his course record performance in the hundred miler as well. So it was like kind of a, a strange dichotomy there of like, Epic implosions and attrition, but then still historically fast times. So maybe let's just kind of go through the men's and women's top tens and, um, you know, sort of wind down for the weekend. But, you know, the other golden ticket, I mean, the golden ticket chase was fierce. And we saw Blake Slattengren. I don't know if you guys were observing him and his performance throughout the day yesterday, but silent assassin like John Ray from the Seattle, Washington area, bringing home a golden ticket. But I don't know if there's anything you want to say about Blake or if you guys know him personally or. I don't know him. I'm just like super impressed. I don't know. Like I, he ran up into second, you know, by the end. And it, that is mega. And so I want to go look at his data and stuff, see how that, if he posted it on Strava to see how that went down, but just kudos, man. I think he's coached by uh, string bean, right? That sounds right. Yeah, I think he's coached yeah, by Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yep. So it's just like, what a great day for him, you know, breaking yeah. out, breakout performance. Now I'm like, man, I want to go 
kind of do a deep dive and see what he's going to do at States. I mean, guy's a stud. Yeah, I'm just pulling up his splits here, too. Yeah, I don't know how he did that because, yeah, he must have run like a crazy fourth and fifth lap. Yeah, because he was sort of in the back half of the top 10, I think, coming through mm -hmm. the first lap. But, yeah. you know, just steady throughout the day and we should say also ran 1258 under 13 hours Ridiculous. He was, i think so only fast. a few seconds slower than dakota's winning time wow. from last year so third fastest time in history in his first hundred miles an all-time result for him yeah. dude huge. that's huge yeah. wow yes yeah, yeah i mean it, it's it's funny too because like you know this still will kind of fly under the radar in terms of like the storylines of the weekend right not many people mm -hmm. know who blake is yeah. and but this is very much like a huge go follow blake man it's breakthrough you know, for him huge but yeah. he was second at the gorge 100k this year that's the only reason why i know who he is but uh, like we were just talking about with ryan like he's sort of a well-known quantity in the seattle running community and it'll be great to see him line up at western states maybe shout out gorge great indicator of future performance yeah 100 percent potential yeah. so yep. yeah definitely so it's um, cool thinking like i think of of john ray's path like and seeing like someone like blake now in that position of like you know like second like a quietly rose to second and like mm -hmm. you know i think maybe even like last year and past years we would have like thought of of john ray in that camp and like yep. now like seeing him at that world-class kind of attention level like cool to see someone like blake like breaking into that that path himself so true okay so this is really interesting all right so blake was eight minutes behind ryan coming through headquarters heading out on the fifth lap that Eight makes sense behind. i didn't see him yep and i saw ryan yeah. pretty close to J yep. john yep. it's crazy yeah so ryan was like five and a half minutes behind john leaving to go out on the fifth lap blake was eight minutes then behind uh blake was eight minutes behind ryan so therefore 13 minutes or so behind john in the lead but John in Golden take a position in Golden so, take a position. Wow! So yeah. John ran that final lap in two hours twenty eight minutes, and if I'm doing my math correctly, and aside from Dakota, John's final lap is nine minutes faster than anybody has ever run that final lap, and it looks wow. to me like Blake ran it in two twenty nine, so only a minute slower than John did. So Blake ran Damn. a faster final lap than Dakota, therefore the second fastest final lap in Low history, key. too. That's Low key. crazy. Ticket hungry. Yeah. Jeez. It's interesting, too, just thinking of, like, the timing of how some of those moves must have gone down. I mean, I feel like what's interesting about yesterday is, like, because we're all at the start-finish area, we're not really seeing, mo like, moves mm. out on course, let alone, like, I don't think runners are seeing much, like, cheering besides aides out there. Uh -huh. And so I'm really curious because I think something must have gone down that last lap where maybe, like, Ryan made his move, maybe was it early, mm. and then, like, Blake was opportunistic with taking advantage of, like, a a Ryan that was fading from making a move maybe a little early. I'm just curious. Like, do yeah. we know anything about how that went down? My, my guess is that Ryan hit a little bit of a rough pass, patch leaving to go out on the second loop because Blake had made up a bunch of time by the time they got to Coyote, the first aid station on the final loop. And then it was like a minute separating the two at Jackass. And it was still, I think, only a minute or so at Rattlesnake. So those guys were like wow. seriously racing at the end and Blake ultimately won 
by about a minute and we should recap too on the live stream we didn't even know that Blake had crossed the finish line yeah, yeah. the cameras on Ryan as he came in sprinting Gosh. and so we thought Ryan finished in second place it was like yeah. 30 minutes later that we realized that Blake had actually oh my god and the tracking there. showed them flipped yeah, it yeah. yes here's my thing to be able to race like that at the end of a hundred miles is super impressive. I'm like mm-hmm. so excited to see what he can do at States. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause yeah. you know, there's, there's a good amount left in the tank if, if he's able to yeah close like that. I think all three of those guys too are between like 26 and 29 years old too. So they're all, I think all of them kind of like whole life ahead of them. Yeah. yeah. Just like emerging <laughs> into their prime, you know, totally. Yeah, and, totally. and these performances certainly being illustrative of that. And like, I think overall just super exciting to see that like, you know, like, ultimately those three are all like capable of limitless things and it really yesterday was just coming down to like a few really specific moments and I think mm-hmm. we're just seeing that more and more in races where yeah. it's like the difference between like a win and maybe even like not being on the podium is yeah. coming down to maybe like one or two critical moves and so it's requiring a lot of like strategy on on part of all these runners to, so to put the, those final details together yep so John Ray's finishing margin was just about 15 minutes so Pretty solid, convincing. you know, convincing, substantial mm-hmm. gap there at the finish line. It was his race. He's sort of in control of it throughout the day. But three of the four fastest times ever run between John Ray, Blake Slattengren, and Ryan Montgomery. Fourth place, Dan Green, the pride of West Virginia. I love, love this kid. I barely know him, but... Ryan and I met him at the finish line of Black Canyon. Ryan actually got to hand him his award at the end of Black Canyon. And I was like, man, how did it go? He's like, I'm ready for another 30. (laughs) Sure enough, he was ready for another 30. (laughs) First 100-miler also. He ran 13.18. Such a great run. It would have been the fifth fastest time ever. So it's now, like, I think the eighth fastest time ever. Wow. Wow. Smoking. All right, so let me just go through the rest of the top 10, then you guys can add anything you want. We had Zach Bitter in fifth, 13.34. And then again, we had Heather Jackson and Ragna DeBots finished sixth and seventh overall. So then Ryan Raff was sixth male, eighth overall, 14.57. Miller Groom, 15.12 in seventh. Eric Maya, 15.30 in eighth. Brian Charbonneau, 15.33 in ninth and Jeff Stern rounding out the top 10 and 15 35 again three hours separating first and 10th wow yeah yeah I mean shout out to all those competitors but it's just it is like a good reminder like these the top top end performances are just getting so elite yeah that's insane totally and like I think also I mean, there's a number of names there in the back half of the top 10 that were new to me. And like, you know, always thinking of these things too. A couple of days ago, we're here previewing a lot of names that we're not hearing now and a lot of names that are new to us. And like, I think it's like cool to just see some runners be able to be, to be opportunistic with some of the carnage and work their way into like a top 10 performance at a huge race. Yeah. Like yep. shout out to all of them for, for proving us wrong. Seriously. Totally. All right. So let's talk about the women. Heather Jackson. Wire to wire. Love to see it. So great. Unbelievable. I mean, coming through the first lap, she was in like fifth or sixth overall. Yeah. And I was like, man, like (laughs) this is aggressive. Yeah. You know, like this is going to be a hard one to finish with this sort of opening strategy. Yep. Wasn't she under course record splits for a while? I think she was. Was Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Um, Abby, 
Heather, the floor is yours. Oh, Heather, that was that was super exciting to watch. I mean, end to end. I think we were all hoping that that's like how the race would start out, and uh, and like I think we were all hoping that's also how it would finish. You yeah. know, seeing yeah. her be able to to pull that together end to end was super exciting. Um, I believe Devin Yanko paced her the back forty, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, which was super cool to see. And like, I actually loved like it's like kind of like at weddings, you know, it's like watch the groom's face. I loved watching Devin's face when Heather finished because I think. You know, <laughs> Devin having been been champion here yeah. last year and then like, you know, supporting her competitor from last year. I believe they like got out for training runs and, yeah. you know, I don't know if they were friends already, but maybe became friends this year. And for then Devin to be supporting Heather to her victory was really cool to watch. Um, and like, yeah, I think just seeing Heather put together the, the race that we that we all, you know, know she's capable of in the hundred mile distance was, you know, I mean, of course, last year as well. But like seeing yeah. her get that win was super super exciting yeah. um and i think yeah gives us a like all a exciting reminder of what's to come at, at western states hopefully definitely super happy to see her put down that performance it was awesome yeah, yeah. so we were talking in the pre-race show about how camille heron's course record is a bit of an outlier she was on or near course record through i think the first four laps oh, before wow. okay. she lost a little bit of time she still finished in 14 24 47 the second fastest time ever 12 minutes faster than Devin Yanko's winning time from last year. I pulled the same splits that I did from John through jackass to the headquarters. She did a 118 split on the third lap, 116 on the fourth lap, then 125 on the fifth lap. So not like John, where she ended up running the fastest possible fifth lap split, but still pretty even, pretty solid throughout the day. And I think critically for her, especially after last year, where she faded all the way back to fifth, faded a little bit, but still ran the second fastest time ever. So awesome, awesome to see Heather. And it's so fun to just kind of follow her journey as an athlete, only her third hundred mile start, second hundred mile finish. And she's dropping historically fast times at huge, huge races. So it's interesting. Awesome. I think she kind of like held her gap. Like I, I feel like I saw mm -hmm. her come in at the end of the third lap, having put some distance on, I'll just call it the, the Ragnar Riley combo yeah. maybe mm -hmm. like, cause I think they were kind of swapping positions, but then it seemed like she held that 25 minute lead pretty solid laps four and five and ultimately finishing. How many minutes was it ahead of Ragnar? Like about a half hour? Yeah. About 30. Yeah. Yep. 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 Interesting. So speaking of Ragna, she's coming back to Western States. Yeah. 44 years old. Current. Du Dutch athlete. She's been a world dominator. She's won some of the best races in the world. And uh, she was third place at Western States the year that Beth Pascal won in 2021. Ran a really fast, I think like 1745 or mm. something like that. Current master's record holder. Current master's record, yeah. record holder. That's right. Um, and she just like was, you know, quietly steady throughout the day too. The gap ultimately was 30 minutes. So it was a significant margin of victory for Heather, but Ragna securing the golden ticket coming back yeah. to Western States. No surprise, yeah. you know, None. it's like, that's yeah. the type of athlete she is. You yeah. Know? yeah. I think she's definitely like a, a grinder, you know? And so mm -hmm. it was interesting to see her on a race that, that just was like, so mercilessly fast, you know, like I think I saw her when she was having a bit of a low and Riley had just passed her for like the, like, I think lap four and then, and then Ragna like 
past Riley. So like, I think I saw her in a bit of a low, but it was just like nice to see her kind of like, yeah, rally and still like finish yeah. strong despite like kind of maybe a lower midsection of the day. Yeah. Or maybe it was that she was steady. I could be wrong in yeah. perceiving that. Well, yeah. Ragna and Riley did have a bit of a battle going on. And then I think it was coming through the headquarters, the, the final time to where Ragna had a six minute gap on Riley. And that only grew from headquarters all the way back to the finish line. But amazing run from Ragna, 1455, 27, a time that would have won the race many years. Yeah. Uh, good enough for second place. Riley Brady, <sighs> Boulder Zone. Your pick to win, I think. My pick to win. Mm -hmm. Second place last year. Riley had a tough fifth lap. We had cameras on them at mm. uh, Jackass, and Riley was just puking into the garbage oh, can there man. at mile 90-something, which oh. we've all been there. So right? tough, though, to finish. Like, yeah, so yeah. tough, so <sighs> tough. Ended up closing the final loop, 15-29 for Riley. Barely missing out on that golden mm -hmm. ticket. Probably disappointing. Yeah. Or if yeah. they'll sign up for Black Canyon or Canyons or I, Thailand, I maybe even. Oh, wow. Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got to think, though. They have so yeah. much potential. And yeah. yeah, I mean, we all have tough races, but rooting for them. Don't regret yeah. my first place pick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. They ran super strong. And I'm curious, again, kind of with that timing of the moves, like we spoke about in the men's race, like curious if Riley maybe made a move and then was kind of paying a price later or. Sort yeah. of like Ryan, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. Anyway, awesome performance for the women's podium. So let's just go through the rest of the top 10. You guys can add whatever color you have here. Again, it was a huge five-hour gap between first and 10th, tons of attrition. So fourth place was Lauren Peretz, fifth place was Nicole, Nicole Monette, sixth, McKendry Hickory, seventh was Jacqueline Farogi, eighth was Jill Wojta, ninth was Megan Guler, tenth was Melissa Brown, a bunch of names that I'm not familiar with. Mm. Any? Well, Lauren P., um, she is from the Springs, and she's super strong. She's actually friends with uh, Matt. And so I'm, cool. she's been on my radar for a while. She's done, she's had these types of performances at a bunch of golden ticket races, like hmm. fourth, fifth. Yeah. Um, so she's super talented. Um, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. I think I had her like fifth in my pick. Oh, okay. nice. So yeah, she's no surprise with that performance. Well, you got that That's right. Exciting. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's 11th overall in the fantasy rankings right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Abby, any other comments on the women's field? Um, yeah, again, like I think some names I'm less familiar with in, in the back of that top 10. Um, but yeah, super exciting end to end to just yeah. watch all that play out and, you know, would have loved to, to see, uh, how things played out had, had things gone better for, for a few people. I know we had spoken about in the preview, but you know, it's a race with a high attrition rate. Like we've, like we've mentioned, I mean, yeah. I think heat got a lot of people as well as just kind of, like you mentioned, like end of the season, it's kind of like, it can go one of two ways of people either being like, you know what, it's been a great season. This isn't working for me today. Yep. Or like, you know, finish this thing off. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah Everyone certainly, Who's, who's getting that finish should be so proud, but especially top 10 at a race like this, I think all those competitors in both fields should feel super proud. Yeah. yeah. All right, so just a couple more sort of closing comments before we wind down. Again, yeah, just shout out to Raj Panu, who ran 7.15 to break the course record in the 100K. Anakashis ran 8.13, finished second overall and smashed the course record. 
in the 100K to take home the women's victory yesterday. The 30K was awesome starting uh, late night last night. Well, I guess like sort of around dinner time, Ryan was saying that next year he and his partner, Addy, are going to come back and run the wave two of the 31k because what he said was the 31k started at 6 p.m last night with wave one going out onto the race course and then there was a 30 minute dance party where wave two in the starting corral was just dancing glow sticks no way fire spinner wow so a 30 minute dance party warm up and then you go out and that's do a little insider beta loop. for next yeah, year for so everybody wow. that's amazing so let's all sign up for the wave two of the 30k next wow. year but yeah what a great weekend just great vibes just i mean just hanging around Havelina headquarters all day yesterday i didn't drive around to any of the aid stations it just fell into a million conversations <laughs> with friends old and new and uh just had such an amazing weekend so yeah. just have to say shout out Aravipa. The, that setup yeah. that whole tent mm. city village area is just as good in person as it looks on the live stream and yeah. it's it was awesome great experience really yeah like highly recommend anyone who was like you know inspired by watching that yesterday to get out here either yes. to race to crew to pace just to hang out like it's a really it's as cool as it looks so yeah it's definitely on my radar in the next couple of years Same. i'd love to get out there me yeah. too yeah i'm hoping to, to be here every year going forward yeah. and yeah again echoing a big thank you to Aravipa for hosting all of us we are now, I think, an hour away from... Uh, we're in golden hour right now, yes. so the final finishers are probably making their way down the hill, and we should give a big shout-out to Jamil Curry, who last I checked had gone through Jackass the fifth time in, like, 260th place oh or something gosh. like that. And Jubilee Race Director, who yeah. is yes. costumed Costume. and, like, keeping the party alive at yeah. the start-finish area all night, just, like, commanding the crowd on stage, like, keeping the vibes high. It was so great. Yeah, so, so fun. Yeah. Well, a great weekend, a great way to sort of end the North American ultra season in a lot of ways. I'm sure there are still a lot of American athletes that are going to be going to Cape Town and Thailand and stuff, but it feels like things are sort of wrapping up and what a great season it has been. Appreciate you both for joining us here on the shows these last couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dylan. This was thanks, fun. Dylan. Thanks to our viewing audience. Thanks to our guy Ryan behind the scenes for all his hard work. Yep. Creating content, helping people get out, back out there on the course during the day, doing the Lord's work. Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks to Hoka for their support of the program. And uh, we'll catch you all very soon. Peace out.